Today I'd like just to share with you a picture. This uh, picture is very interesting. It's actually called the Hansen Hospital. Now the Hansen Hospital was an asylum and treatment center for patients with leprosy, or more specifically Hansen's disease, from 1877 to 2000. It's a two-story stone structure across the street from the Sholem Hartman Institute in Jerusalem. It was designed by Konrad Schick, a German architect and a missionary, who also designed Mersharim and built several models of the Second Temple. The outside of the Hansen building bears the inscription, Jesus Hilfe. Now, Jesus Hilfe in German means Jesus saves, a testament to the Protestant community of Jerusalem, which originally founded the hospital both to heal and to mission to the lepers who had formerly congregated as beggars at the Zion Gate. It was built to accommodate 60 patients. It was a self-sufficient institution containing its own water systems, vegetable garden, fruit trees and livestock. It wasn't a closed institution like in America and England. Patients were free to leave and entertain visitors, but it was regarded as such because leprosy had such a tremendous stigma attached to it. Although its bacterial etiology had been discovered by the Norwegian physicist Hansen in 1873. And Hansen proved that leprosy is neither infectious nor hereditary. Nonetheless, the biblical associations with the leper as unclean and impure can be found throughout this week's Parsha. The inflammation, the rash, the shiny spot, the baheret. Throughout our Parsha, the long section on dermatological diseases, the precise identification of disease and even symptoms remains uncertain despite 2,000 years of scholarship. For instance, the saes, the inflammation, appears to exhibit the same verbal root as to raise. The shiny spot, the baheret, is proposed because of the verbal stem on which that noun is formed, meaning to shine or to be bright. The fact of the matter is that the ancients perceived and described diseases and their symptoms differently than does modern Western medicine. And some conditions that they understood to be a single disease may actually have been a variety of diseases. And so Robert Alter says, scholarly attempts to equate the various conditions reported in our Pasha with specific dermatological disorders has only had limited success. So then, as we dive into this idea of Tsaras, let me share with you our first Rashi. And our first Rashi comes in chapter 13. And here we say, if the tsaras, the imporoach tifrach hatsaras, if this malady had spread, erupts, ba'or on the skin, the kisesor hatsaras, ace kol or hanega, meirosh ba'adraglov, and it will cover over the entire skin, hanega. What does that mean? The skin of the affliction? Meroshovadra from his head to his feet. And Rashi, if you see at the bottom here, Meroshovad from his head, he then adds this very curious word, 
Meirosho Shel Adam. Do you see how Rashi adds Shel Adam? Why would he? Why would he insist on telling us Shel Adam from the head of the person? Because you might have thought that it could have been Kol Or Hanega. The Nega may refer to the disease, not the person. Meirosho Adraglo from the top to the bottom. Meirosho Adraglo means top to bottom. And it doesn't refer to the nega, the affliction, which immediately precedes that in the verse. Otherwise, it would have meant from the top to its bottom of the eruption. Can you see how we have a problem here with the disease and the eruption? And what, what on earth are we really talking about here? Now, the actual disease itself, proving that this has nothing to do with what we in modern medicine would consider leprosy or an infectious disease, the Rambam says, The Hebrew term for leprosy embraces very many meanings. For instance, loven or ha'odom, this whiteness on the skin of a person. Then it's called saras. Well, we also learn the filis ketzat sa'arosh or zakan. It can be on the hair. I don't know of any disease outside lice <laughs> that can change the color of hair. Vishinu etabagodim, it can also affect the clothes. Ohabatim, or the houses. So the Rambam comes to the conclusion that Pele Hayab Yisrael, it was a wonder. This, it is nothing that the Rambam understands as a physical disease of his understanding in the 10th century. This is not something he recognizes, and therefore he says it's a pele, a sign and a wonder. What's Lashon Hara got to do with the disease? Oh, well, for that, we have to now get back into Midrashic understandings. And the Midrashic understanding of the connection uh, between Saras and Lashon Hara comes by the Ramban, and Rashi, as to the, once the person is cured of his teras, he has to bring a chatos, and he has to bring two birds, very unusual, two living clean tziporim. Why does it mean living tziporim? Why do you have to bring two birds? So Ramban, quoting the Medrash, says, it cannot be an oaf tome, it has to be a clean bird, it has to be a a tahor, tahor bird, not a bird of prey. <laughs> so he says that that the proof that there is a relationship between Lashon Hara and the Mitzorah, which is never mentioned in the Bible other than when Miriam says Lashon Hara about Moshe and her hands get saras. She puts, her hand goes... Um, goes lepery, leprosy, or when Moshe puts his hand in his jacket and takes it out and it's leprous for God to prove to him his miracles. There's just a hint of all of that. Here, he says, the tziporim are brought because they mepatpitpin, tomid, bepitpitziftsuf. They're chirping. The birds keep chirping. They're chattering. When you chatter non-stop, eventually out comes Loshon Hora. Um, 
So the cleanness of the bird excludes a bird unfit for food, since the plagues of leprosy came as a punishment for slander, which is done by chattering. And therefore the cleansing has to be brought about by birds which always twitter with a chirping sound. And this he's quoting Rashi. And the Gemara amplifies that and says, no, it's not just for the sin of Lashon Hara, but the Gemara in Eirechin 16 says, Amar Rav Shmuel Bar Nachnani, Amar Rav Yochanan, Al Shiva Devarim Negayim Bayin. For seven different things. And then they go through the Tanakh where, like in, the, in our Haftorah yesterday, there is punishment for seven different things where people became leprous. And what are they? Lashon Hara, number one. Shvichas <laughs> Domim, murder. Shvuah Shav, false swearing. Gilo Arois, sexual immorality. Gassus Aruch, arrogance. Gezel, theft. Beltzoros, ayin. And for stinginess. For stinginess. So, we come round full circle. I started off by telling you that Saras, which is equivocated already from earliest times, if I can show you uh, that already in Roman times, Tacitus writes that the very creation of the Jewish people happened because of leprosy. He writes 2,000 years ago the following account of the history of the Jews. Most writers agree in stating that once a disease which horribly disfigured the body broke out in Egypt, that King Bocchorus seeking a remedy, consulted the oracle of Hamon and was bidden to cleanse his realm and quarantine this foreign element, this race detested by the gods. This anti-Semitic diatribe already was written 2,000 years ago. The people who had been collected after diligent search now found themselves left in the desert and sat for the most part in a stupor of grief till one of the exiles, Moses by name, warned them not to look for any relief from God or man because they were all forsaken. <laughs> I mean, this is just an amazing diatribe as to the origin of the Jewish nation by a Roman historian, Tacitus. I mean, we rely on Tacitus in high school for all Roman history. Are you kidding? Heraclitus for the Greeks and Tacitus for the Romans. And yet there it was. So what is going on here? What is going on? And paradoxically, you should know that in a very famous Rashi, the Torah says that the Nosati Negatoras, when you come to the land of Israel, I will inflict the enemy with Tsaras. Besoirohi lohem. This was good news for the Jews. Shehanagaim ba'im aleim. That when we would have to attack the enemy, not only would we be attacked for Loshon Hara, but the enemy be, would be attacked for, uh, with Nagaim, with this leprosy, with this Metzora. Lefi, why? And now hear this amazing quote from Vayikra Rabba by Rashi. Rashi says, Lefi shehit minu. Emorim Matmonios Shelzohov, the Emorites, one of the nations we had to conquer, to conquer Israel, would hide their treasures of gold, Bekiros Botehem, in their houses. Call our Shona They knew that Israel was coming for them. 
They knew they would be exiled, so what they did was hide their gold in the walls of their houses. So once we came to the houses of the Emirates, when we came to Israel, and we would see there was a plaque of Tsaras on the wall, we would immediately pull it down, because that's what the halach is. You have to rip out that part of the wall. And what would we find? We would find gold. And that just beautiful midrash tells us that there is a kind of dualistic manifestation of Tsaras. Not only is it bad for us because of Lashon Hara and Gilo Arois and all these things, but it also somehow turns out to be a gift for us when we conquer Eretz Israel. I, I would like to suggest, however, uh, that the mention of leprosy uh, in the Torah is mentioned in the Midrash as we're coming up to, to Pesach, that Paro was inflicted with leprosy and he tried to cure his leprosy by bathing in the blood of Jewish children. That's in Medrash Rabbah. And in one of the most unusual Midrashim, we're told that the Mashiach, in Vayikra Rabbah, that the Mashiach will be a leper who sits outside the gates of Rome, waiting for his time to come. And while he waits, he only changes one bandage at a time, so there will be no delay when the moment of his arrival comes. And I think that's, again, adding to the mythological nature of this supernatural disease that we continue to call leprosy, but we continue to resist any kind of association with modern disease. Maybe something else is going on here. Let's take a more global view of, of Vayikra. The narrative arc of Pasha Mitzora moves from a discussion of the re-entry of the ritual person following recovery from the skin afflictions of Tsaras to Tsaras on the walls of the house to a discussion of the Zav and the Zava, the genital discussions of discharges in men and women. It is a move from the public to the personal, from private to personal. Lesions of the skin are manifest to anyone with whom the afflicted one comes into contact with, socially. One's house is more private. You see something in the inside of your house, you don't have to tell anyone. Share with family and close friends only. And the tsaras in the house can be hidden from general public. Finally, the genital discharge, the most private of things that cause you impurity, are hidden from all but those with whom one is most intimate with, and sometimes known only to the one affected, and yet all require a degree of separation socially and a ritual for re-entry into an intimate relationship or a domiciliary relationship or a social public relationship. There's also a move not only from the public to the private, but from the superficial to the essential. The lesion of Tsaras is only skin deep. It is a, it's a skin disease, it's a manifestation of a dermatological problem, whether it's in the person or on the house or on the beged. It's external, it's superficial. The rabbis have interpreted that to include 
a clue to the underlying character of the one affl- afflicted. As we said, he did something wrong. He was mepitput, he was Loshanhara, whatever. But that notion is not in the text and not necessary to impute it. Al peep shoot mikro. One's home is more personal and more a reflection of our individuality. And finally, there is the genital level of impurity, which gets at our very essence. So there's also a movement from the superficial to the essential. And the common thing to all is separation. Separation from the general public. Isolation. Quarantine. From one's home, one's family, one's intimate partner. Who is in and who is out? Who is clean and who is unclean? Who can you have contact and who can you not have contact? It's all about stigma. And having lived through COVID, we all know what that means. What does that mean to be socially isolated? The difference between isolation and quarantine and and levels of re-entry. We are never given a reason for the isolation of any of the individuals mentioned in the Torah. Those who read these texts medically suggest that it was a fear of contagion. But that is never stated, and contagion was never really recognized in biblical times. A person afflicted with Tzeras is permitted to cohabit with his wife during his period of separation from the community, which would be counterintuitive if this was a medical disease. Even in our day, there is something about skin lesions, and there is a beautiful analysis of the social history of diseases. That is, a disease, a contagion, not only has a medical valence, but it has a social and cultural valence. And uh, Novik um, and others have studied that. For instance, uh, Cynthia Ozick writes that in the 1800s, there were two types of diseases that were infectious, and, and, and one was TB, and one was venereal disease, syphilis. Both very similar bacteria. In tuberculosis, the tuberculosis person was sent to a sanitarium where he withered away slowly into a skeletal body. And there is poetry about that. The, the, it was valorized as something very highly spiritual as he withered away slowly in his, lep- in, in, in his um, tuberculosis. On the other hand, venereal disease was considered something disgusting. It was a genital disease because of fornication. And so you can see the amount of money that was applied for research in the common language, in the newspapers, in the cultural valence. Two similar diseases that had nothing to do with moral turpitude were given different cultural valences, one positive and one negative. And the same thing, as if you ever, if you ever saw the film Philadelphia, where Tom Hanks, playing a lawyer with AIDS, is suing his former law firm and takes the witness stand and is asked to remove his shirt, revealing the lesions of Kaposi's sarcoma, which comes from AIDS, and everyone in the courtroom just is shocked, right? Because AIDS has a cultural valence because of the number of celebrities who are gay, and because of Hollywood, AIDS got a lot of funding, AIDS has a cultural valence that's very high. So we see that the cultural stigma attached Two different diseases is not based on reality or medicine or science, has to do 
with mythology and the imagination. And the anthropologist Mary Douglas has suggested throughout Al Pasha of Vayikra that notions of purity and pollution, clean and unclean, tameh and tahor, function in two ways in society as a mechanism to enforce socially desired values and behaviors, and as a way for societies to image the body politic and its boundaries as a reflection within the human body. So Parsha's Mitzora, for me, is all about boundaries. Boundaries of personhood and bodily integrity, and the breaking of those boundaries, and the disruption and the dislocation of the body politic. The Mitzorah, once he is judged Tahor, must shave his entire body, include the hair of his head and his eyebrows, prior to immersing in the mikveh. He emerges from the Mayim Chaim, from the living waters, like a newborn, without any facial markings recognizable, as though the Mitzorah had died and was born again, who is then marked with the blood on the right ear, the right thumb, and the right big toe. This is the similar to the initiation rites of the priests, and like that ritual, is intended to recognize that the Mitzorah has endured something that in some way will always set him apart as well. There is a mystical text that said that the Medrash tells us that Rachel was betrothed after seven years to Jacob, and then she took pity on her husband, Jacob, on the wedding night. And what did she do? She gave over the simanim to Leah. What were these simanim? Well, literally, Jacob predicted that Lavon was going to to do a dirty. So Jacob said to Rachel, I'm going to give you these simanim and I'm going to test you because it's going to be dark in the tent. And so these are the signs that I'm going to give you that are non-verbal that you will know uh, that it's me and that I will know it's you and not Leah. And in the last moment, she gave over the simanim to Leah. Now, what were the simanim? We're not told. But in one mystical text, we were told that she was given the markings of the blood on the right ear, the right thumb, and the right toe. Maybe she touched his right ear, his right thumb, and his right toe. Why on earth would the mystical imagination of the Zohar tell us that the simanim, I mean, there could have been tons of other simanim, right? Shlomo Karlobach said, I'll tell you what the simanim are. Every Seder, we are using Simanim, which is the order of the Seder table. They're called the Simanim. We see them literally on the Seder plate. But I wanted to suggest that the Simanim that is given by Rachel in her largesse for her sister, knowing that if she didn't let her sister get married, or consummate the marriage with Jacob, she would be left a spinster for the rest of her life. And that Gemilas Chasadim for her sister was the same ritual that we initiate the rites of the priests and that we reinitiate the Matsora as he comes back into the community. It is those same body parts, the ear, the thumb, and the big toe, symbolizing the re-entry. And we know that when the Jewish people were exiled from Eretz Yisrael, Jeremiah came to wake up 
the Avot in Hebron and say, wake up. Your children are going to exile. The promise that God promised you is not being fulfilled. They've been kicked out of Eretz Yisrael into the long, dark night of exile. And so they come to God and tell him, you know, Abram says, you know what I did for you? And Yisrael said, you know what I did? And Jacob says, you know, and he was silent. It was only when Rachel, who saw them passing her burial, gets up before Hashem and says, you know what I did for my sister? Do you know what I did on the wedding night that was most meant for me? If I could be chas on my sister, if I could have mercy on my sister to the point where I gave her the simanim so that she could marry Jacob, my beloved, my heart's desire. If I can do that for her, excuse me, could you have a little bit of Rachmanus for your people? It's the most amazing midrash that I ever read in Eicha Rabba Petichta 24. And with that, God says, Mani v'chiv, stop crying, v'shavu vonim, and your children will return one day to the land. And he gives her the nechama from crying as she watches them passing her grave into Bavel. And I think that that's the message here. The Metzorah is a message of exile and re-entry. And we've seen it in our lifetime, right? I mean, I was born two years after the state of Israel was, uh, was reconstituted. And today, as Sharansky said, when he grew up, if you had the word Jid, and I'm sure my Mechutan Michael will attest to this, if you had the word Jid, you couldn't get out of a country. You couldn't pass the passport. And today, you have Jew in your, in your passport, on a yarmulke on your head, and everyone welcomes you. And as I told you last week, what I saw, the Kiddush Hashem at the border of Poland and Hungary, those young Israelis just can't get over it, what they have done as a Kiddush Hashem. And the 132 Chabad Shluchim in Ukraine and in the 41 Chabad houses that have been turned into distribution centers. Today, that re-entry of the Jew through us having the state of Israel and that the state of Israel should even be a mediator between uh, Ukraine and Russia is just beyond. Who would have thought of that 50 years ago? So I think that this idea as we come into Pesach and we see the simanim on the table, I think this taps into the mythology of Am Yisrael, Eretz Yisrael, and the secrets that we have of survival. And the secret of survival is this ability on the individual level, on the social level, on the national level, and on the international level, to go through these periods of isolation and grief and trauma, and then to have this re-entry back into society through the rituals that mark that re-entry. Please God, this trauma should end soon, that Am Yisrael Chai, and that uh, we should all have a wonderful Pesach, and that the Geula that we all hope for, this idea of personal Geula from all our troubles and the national gula and the international gula should come soon.